Today on Locked On A's, Ryan Christensen joins Bob Melvin in San Diego and six Hall of Fame inductees were announced. We're going over all of that on today's episode of Locked On A's. Let's get into it, you guys. You are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans? And welcome to episode 397 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's episode, we're talking about Ryan Christensen going to the Padres. And then we're talking about two guys that were just inducted into the Hall of Fame that I am fairly excited about. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I know about each of these guys and, uh, Maybe it leads you to look them up a little bit more for yourselves. That's what I try to do over here. Uh, And before I give you some plugs and get into the episode, I want to say I watched 8-Bit Christmas on HBO Max a few days ago. And uh, right up here by my head, if you're on YouTube, it's right here by my head. I'll, I'll duck out of the way. This card right here is mentioned significantly in that movie. Um, if you can see it, you know, if you've watched 8-Bit Christmas, you can put the pieces together. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, follow us on YouTube. (laughs) Shameless plug. Uh, subscribe to our new YouTube channel and wherever you like to hear podcasts. We're also available there. Uh, follow us on social media at LockedOnAids on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Also, thank you guys so much for making LockedOnAids your first listen. Again, one more time, free and available, all platforms. But let's get into today's episode. Over the weekend, Ryan Christensen, uh, it, it was announced, a word came down that the former A's bench coach will be taking up that same role with the San Diego Padres. It's not a terribly surprising move, if we're being honest. Uh, we see this a lot happen, happen a lot when a new manager is hired. They bring in guys that they feel will help them get the job done well. Obviously, Ryan Christensen is that guy for uh, well, formerly of the Oakland A's, but in, in Bob Melvin's you know, uh, in his circle, Ryan Christensen is the guy that he wanted for the job. And for Bob Melvin, uh, you know, it just makes sense that he would see if he could bring him on. And that's what happened. The broader question that came to my mind, though, when this news was announced, uh, when, when the Padres were looking to see if they could interview, if they could get permission from the Oakland A's, was uh, whether or not this would have any sway over whether or not they were looking for an external candidate or an internal candidate. Because if they said no, then you'd be like, no, no, maybe they want to go internal and kind of keep the group of guys that are there, keep them all comfortable. They're just not going to have the former leader. They'll just have a new leader picked among them. Uh, But if they, you know, let him walk, maybe... They're looking more towards external candidates. That's that's my my logic at the very least. And you would think that if Mark Kotze, I'm, I'm picking a name out of the hat. He's kind of my front runner. So Mark Kotze, uh, if he were to take over for the A's as their manager in 2022, he'd want guys that he's worked with in the past. And he's only been there a couple of seasons. Same with Ryan Christensen, who came in in 2018. And the guys that he trusts. 
and to do the same roles that they were already doing for the Oakland A's so that he can maximize the club's performance, make himself look pretty good in the process in his first year as a manager in the big leagues. That is the thought process from me. Uh, it makes sense because he doesn't have a list of like his guys yet because he hasn't been a manager at the big league level just yet. So that's why it makes sense to me just logically, whether or not that's how things work. I don't, I'm not positive, but uh, that, that, it seems like that is how things go. But does that mean that the A's are definitely leaning towards hiring an external candidate? Not at all. Things could be very different from the way that I'm envisioning them, but this is it makes sense in my head, so that's just how I imagine things happen. But uh, could go different ways, too. Who's to say? But this is where that logic took me when it was announced and th that the A's had just granted permission for the Padres to interview Christensen for the job that he now has. One external candidate that has been coming to mind a little bit lately since I last brought up the A's managerial uh, search is a guy by the name of Joe Espada, who is currently the Astros bench coach, and he was drafted by the A's in the second round of the 96 draft. So he has A's ties, and everybody's always looking for A's ties when they're bringing up like Ron Washington or Walt Weiss or you know, guys that they currently have um, in their coaching staff, whether that's Mark Kotze or Bobby Crosby, who has one year of double-A managing experience. You know, he has A's ties. So that's, that's number one. I like that. Um, and then he has been in the mix for several managerial vacancies that have been open over the past few years. And he's currently in the mix, according to recent reports, uh, with with the Mets. The Mets want him. And as we've seen in just vaguely watching Mets news, they always say they want the top guys and then they don't get them. So we'll see what happens with the Mets. But he is still rumored to be a, a candidate to fill their managerial vacancy. The Cardinals also have a managerial vacancy. And I believe that's all of them, just, just us three. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But my my larger point is with mentioning the Mets rumors is that Joe Espada definitely has the credentials to do the job. And that is why he's been on so many teams shortlists. Because Joe Espada, they think, can do the job. So, is he going to be the guy for the A's? I don't know. Um, as much as we dislike the Astros, bringing in one of their coaches seems like a smart move, doesn't it? For starters, they've made the ALCS in each of the last five seasons, which, uh, you know, they're doing something right. I mean, other than cheating, they're doing something correct. And secondly, they're a divisional foe. And this is why that's important, because Espada has to have tons of notes on the A's and their weaknesses, right? And he could be part of the plan. Uh, he, he could help create a great plan for the A's to, uh, you know, fix their exploitable flaws. And maybe he'd have some ideas on how to beat the Astros. And uh, that's an added bonus. I would also enjoy that if Joe Espada were to come to the green and gold. And uh, just as a nice, uh, not a reference, uh, a, a comparable thing that happened. A.J. Hinch, former manager of the Houston Astros up until they were discovered for cheating and he was suspended for a year. He suspended that. He uh, he served that year's suspension and then he signed on with the Tigers in 2021 and the Detroit Tigers, who were an okay baseball team, not ALS bound by any means, they went 5-2 and two against the Houston Astros in 2021 because A.J. Hinch knows how to beat those guys. Um, and so, hey, would the A's have that much success against the Houston Astros? Probably not, because they're 
They're not on the they're not on the ascension. The Tigers are on the ascension. They're getting their their good players in the big leagues right now. The A's would be trading some of their big league players away. Uh, so would they have that much success? No. But could they not be pushovers against one of the better teams in baseball for the last five years? Yeah, I think that they could hold their own against the Houston Astros if Joe Espada was their coach. Could they go 500? I would be happy with 500 against the Houston Astros because they're not even doing that when they're good. So why not try and do that when they're bad? Again, uh, just last thing here is I am not a managerial search guy. That is not something that like super intrigues me, but uh, the internal candidate that I like is Mark Kotze. I mentioned him already. I like Mark Kotze. Who doesn't like Mark Kotze? Who does not like big playoff inside the park home runs in 2006? I love those. So Mark Kotze, he's my guy. And the external candidate that I'm high on is Joe Espada, if you couldn't tell from me talking about Joe Espada for the last few minutes. So uh, with that in mind, who would you like to take over as the A's manager in 2022? If you're on YouTube, let me know in the comments down below. If you guys follow us on Twitter, make sure to just uh, you know tweet them at us, at Locked on A's. But uh, coming up, we're talking about some long overdue Hall of Famers. But first, does this sound familiar? You've got a device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle, and that great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review if you can. Also, make sure to follow us or subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Uh, we got, what, 360 right now? We're getting close. We are getting close to 400 and then the world. So hit, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Mash the subscribe button, you know, as the actual YouTube people say. Uh, comment, like, subscribe, do all that stuff over at YouTube. Also, follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. If you guys have any questions, paternity leave is coming up. Make sure to let me know what you guys want to hear about uh, while I'm gone for a couple of weeks. Raising a whole, a whole child. LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com is where you can do that. But uh, let's get back into the episode. For longtime listeners of the pod, you may have noticed that I don't really talk much about the Hall of Fame. And quite frankly, it's because I don't really care. There's a lot of arguments that people have. I don't like getting into the sports debates. They're stupid for the most part. It's like, yeah, both people have a great... I don't have hard opinions on whether or not, you know, Omar Vizquel belongs in the Hall or Barry Bonds doesn't. If they get in, cool. If they don't, fine. It changes nothing about my day-to-day. Do not have that kind of energy, so it's fine. I, I don't care. But one thing that I do try to do on this pod is get you excited about baseball and 
you know, just A's fandom in general. And uh, I, I try to share the things that I get excited about. And so the Hall of Fame vote that happened on Sunday is one of those things that I was actually legitimately excited about. I follow it on Twitter. It was fun. And it wound up being pretty good. Uh, because without ever looking up this, this first player's stats, uh, or watching him play baseball, or knowing basically anything about him, I loved Buck O'Neill. And O'Neill played in the Negro Leagues from 1937 to 1948, uh, though he didn't play in 44 or 45 because instead he went to serve in the Navy in World War II. So that's obviously the sign of a good guy. Obviously, Ted Williams did it. Obviously, Buck O'Neill, also a good guy. Um, he spent all but his first season with the Kansas City Monarchs. And if I I know what I think I know, which I'm not 100% that I, that I know this, but uh, he... Th- th- the Monarchs are basically like the New York Yankees of like the Major League Baseball. I think that they were like the Negro League's version of the New York Yankees. They were the team that had all of the stars. And I think that, I think, could I be wrong? Yes. Uh, but that's how I envision them. That That is my comparable as I read up on Negro League's players. That's what I think. Is it wrong? Maybe. But I'm pretty sure it's right. <laughs> Anyways, his career numbers, Buck O'Neill's career numbers are good, but they're not great. So I feel like Buck O'Neill was voted in on Sunday because of two things. One, his love uh, of baseball and helping to spread the game and its stories, especially about the Negro Leagues and keeping those stories alive. And because nobody that ever met Buck O'Neill has said a negative thing about him. They're always like, he was the nicest person I've ever met. And uh, you you can kind of see that in just hearing him talk. Uh, I was introduced to Buck O'Neill maybe 10, 15 years ago when I was watching uh, the Ken Burns documentary, Baseball, for the first time. And if you haven't watched Ken Burns' Baseball, it's good. It's dated. It's like 20 years old at this point, but it it was good 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, There's also another one that came out a few years ago, uh, Inning 10, where they went over more recent stuff like 90s baseball. So it's still 20 years outdated, but uh, you know, it, it's a good watch. Watch it if you haven't. But uh, Buck O'Neill was all over the original and uh, his love of baseball came through the screen and made me love baseball even more, which is saying a lot because I was watching a documentary about baseball on PBS. So the bar was already pretty high. I already liked baseball a decent amount and he made me like it even more. I didn't know who he was, who he played for, or anything about him really. I just knew that I really, really, really liked listening to Buck O'Neill talk about baseball. Regardless of the stats, his impact on the game in the 58 years from when he stopped playing baseball to the day that he passed in 2006 is more than enough to warrant him a spot in the Hall of Fame. He there, There's plenty to read. I, I can't get into any of it because he lived a whole life. And uh, t- touching on any of it and not other parts is just a disservice. So I'll probably uh, do, do some paternity episodes on Buck O'Neill because he is fascinating and I love just listening to him talk about baseball. His stories are fantastic. Go watch Baseball by Ken Burns. You'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But coming up on the show, I'm talking about one other player that was elected to the Hall of Fame that I'm excited about. But first, this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar is filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, 
net carbs and fat, and it's high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. They have so many flavors, you're gonna have a hard time choosing which one you want in your mouth when you go to pick up a Bilt Bar. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie? Cherry or double chocolate? Cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? You wanna cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret for you guys. Dip your Bilt Bar in some piping hot, hot cocoa, let it melt, and give your beverage that little bit of Bilt Bar flavor. You get protein in your hot cocoa. That's the way God intended it. <laughs> Plus, you'll have a nice melty Bilt Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple of napkins on hand as you... They get messy, you guys. So if you want to make a chocolatey mess out of your Built Bars, go to BuiltBar.com or go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you will get 15% off of your order. Use promo code BUILT or LOCKED15. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review if you can. Also, subscribe to our new YouTube channel. It's blowing up. Get in on the ground floor while the going is good. The going's always going to be good. I don't know why I said that. Anyways, also follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So along with Buck O'Neill and... Uh, any other big leaguers that get voted in in January, I think it's January 26th, is when the the big Hall of Fame vote is. When you, you get your Alex Rodriguez's, you get your David Ortiz's, and a final decision on Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. There's going to be five more members that were voted in along with Buck O'Neill on Sunday night. And those are Jim Cott, Tony Oliva, Gil Hodges, Bud Fowler, and a guy whose name I know, but didn't really know a ton about, and that is Mini Minoso. And if you've had any version of MLB The Show over the last four years, I think that's roughly how long I've been getting every single season. Uh, if if you've had any of those versions of MLB The Show, he has been in every single game, if memory serves. Uh, he's always a legendary player, always on the White Sox, and he's, I believe, a 99 in all of those games. He's really good. I like playing with uh, with Minnie over here because uh, he knows how to hit some baseballs. Uh, beyond that, didn't know a lot about him, but I knew the name. I know he's going to the Hall of Fame, so I looked up a little bit about him. He's fascinating. I like it. Uh, <laughs> he was a two-time All-Star in the Negro Leagues, but also the White Sox first black player uh, back in 1951. He also played for Cleveland in 1949, but Larry Doby uh, was... Already, he had already broken the color barrier barrier for the Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians, uh, and went on to win two World Series titles with the Cleveland Indians, and was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 1998. That's that's Larry. Now we're gonna talk about Minnie Minoso a little bit. Uh, he he started off in in Cleveland, and to land in Chicago, he was part of a three team deal that coincidentally involved the Philadelphia A's. And if you know anything about A's baseball in the 50s, it is a dark period. Nothing good happened in the 50s. So, 
I'm just going to venture a guess and say that Mini Minoso was the best player in that trade. And there was a lot of guys traded in this in this deal. Uh, the A's did land Ray Murray and Sam Zodiac. Uh, but again, the 50s were not great for the A's. And neither of those guys were. Those are just two names that were in the trade. That landed, The A's got four guys in this trade. None of them were Mini Minoso. They also didn't trade... He wasn't involved on their side by any means. So they didn't give him up. They didn't get him. Doesn't matter. Anyways, back to Mini Minoso. Um, he hit 299 with a 387 on base for his entire career. And you might be saying that 50s baseball was different. Uh, that, that was a 130 OPS plus. That was still 30% above league average. That was still pretty decent for the time period. He also won three gold gloves and led the league in stolen bases three times, and he led the league in caught stealings six times. So he just kept going and going. And uh, three, I think three of those times that he, was, that he led the league in caught stealing were the three years that he also led the league in st stolen bases. So yeah, they just did not put up a stop sign for him. It was, it was fun. I think I might be getting the numbers slightly wrong, but I think he led the league with like 22 stolen bases, but was caught like 16 times. There was not, he was not an efficient base dealer, but he just kept running. And so I appreciate that about him a lot. Uh, 10 times, and this is a thing that might stick with A's fans a little bit. 10 times, he led the league in hit by pitches, getting hit at least 15 times in at least in eight of those 10 seasons. Uh, I think one of them was 13, one of them was 14. He had a 15, and then everything else was 16 and above. Uh, there was some 22s, some 23s. There, He got hit a lot. And it was basically the same stretch of years. I think one year was he, he took off in between there, and he got hit like 12 times. Uh, but yeah, he got hit a lot in his career. I think it was 199 in total in his career. I'd have to double check that. Uh, sometimes the memory doesn't work. But anyways, after being retired for 12 seasons, Minoso came back in 1976 at the age of 50 and played three games for the Chicago White Sox, going one for eight at the plate. He got a hit. He got a single. That's amazing. At the age of 50 and after just being off for 12 years. It's not like Ricky playing when he's 44 and, you know, just never stopping. He was off for 12 years and I was like, I'm going to come, come back, hit a fastball. And he did. Good for him. And uh, if you have a vast knowledge of White Sox history and are wondering if Minnie Minoso came back to play in that game, that game where the White Sox wore shorts in 1976, I hate to inform you that he missed that game by just a couple of weeks. That was late August. He, he played those three games in middle of September. So uh, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news or no pants. But um, I thought that that was a fun little interesting tie into history. He also came back again in 1980 at the age of 54 and went 0 for 2. So he could not hit fastballs or whatever they were throwing him in 1980. But he got that one hit at the age of 50. That's pretty freaking cool if you ask me. But uh, that, is, that is all that I got for you guys today. Thank you so much for making the Locked On A's your first listen of the day. Now go make Locked On MLB your second lesson. Sully 
He's talking extensively about the Hall of Fame and uh, the new inductees that we're going to be seeing in July when all of these players are being inducted at the same time. So that should be a fun lesson for anybody that's a baseball fan. If I if I tickled your fancy, go give uh, go give Sully that second lesson over there because he's going to have some information and he's going to have some stories for you guys. Uh, that is all that I got for you guys today. Just a reminder with this episode that baseball can still be fun even with a lockout and, uh, you know, try to tell us otherwise. So baseball is still a good time. And we're going to be finding those stories all along the way. However long this lockout lasts, we're going to be, we're going to be here five days a week for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think two weeks from today is when it stops. So the December 20th is when we start going to three days a week, but we'll be here five days a week up until that point. And, uh, some of those will be pre-recorded because I have a crying baby. Uh, at that time. Not yet. Not yet. No congratulations yet. Save it for three weeks. <laughs> but that is all that I got for you guys today. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, Ace fans, and I will talk at you tomorrow. Tomorrow.